Dude, I was, I guess I was through my AirPods last night. My, or not last night, last week, my audio sounded awful. Was that through AirPods? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was very pissed at myself afterwards. I was just a fucking mess last week. Like I just, everything was, I did splice that argument of your guys is in there though. Yeah, that was actually hilarious. I couldn't believe he actually pulled it off. Because Kofi yeah. and I, I don't think, expected that to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just did the little, like, rewind. I was trying to get the uh, the dissolve sound from Wayne's World, the, like, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do. But I couldn't, like, I could not find that anywhere. The only, like, sound bites from Wayne's World I could find were the shwing, like, like that old shit. Yeah. So I just used the, like, rewind, tape rewind sound, but... Um, all right. Well, yeah. Let's just uh, let's get started. You're good, Kofi. Yeah, I'm good. Welcome to Podcast X, episode 21. This week, we'll be talking Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I am Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hello, gentlemen. And special guest, Kofi Outlaw. Until you said that, I had no idea what we were actually talking about. I have no idea if I'm actually going to stay awake for this, but I'm here. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we'll we'll have you for as long as you can keep your eyes open. Um, we'll be happy to happy to have you. Um, so yeah, this week we'll be talking uh, Black Panther. I want to apologize. Last week my audio was bad because my sound was coming through my AirPods, not my podcast recording mic. So if last week was the first time you ever heard this podcast, I apologize. I did not realize until after it was uh, after we had finished the recording. So, um, all right, well, let's just kick it off. So. Kofi and I talked last week, we previewed Black Panther a little bit. So I figure it kind of makes sense maybe for you, Rob, to start out, give, you know, kind of give your review of the film. Then we'll just go straight into spoilers. And then after that, we'll be talking, you know, kind of what we're hoping to see in phase five. We've talked a little bit before about some of our reservations about phase four. Um, I think some of that may have cleared up with these last few movies that have, have come out in some of the shows, but we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be talking a little bit, comparing those, looking at what we, what we didn't like and what we're hoping to see in phase five. So Rob keys, take us away and then Kofi and I'll jump in and then we'll, we'll kind of unravel from there. Yeah, actually the morning after I watched this, this weekend, I, I was kind of remembering some key things you guys said. Uh, and I think I, you know, beat for beat pretty much agreed. This film, it's very hard to describe because it's more of an experience compared to, at this point, I don't even know how many movies were in 24 <laughs> MCU films. It's kind of insane <laughs> to think about. But in, in yeah. increasingly, there's always like talk of the formula or when the Marvel stuff kicks in and you know, it changes the movie and you expect that kind of stuff. But this is different and, and it's for obvious reasons. This is uh, from the moment it begins with that chilling cold open uh and you guys described that they're sitting there <laughs> ben you made a joke about having popcorn like what do you do yeah you can't even think about that and i was in the same sort of spot and then uh, i was happy to be in a packed theater and seeing a packed theater just be silent and experience that 15 20 minutes straight and and then the superheroes kick in and the plot moves on but um the the 
intro to that trauma and then how they explore grief uh, is powerful. And I think Letitia Wright did, you know, despite all the headlines, if you ignore all that, she did a pretty tremendous job of being the angry person of science who, you know, is struggling with and is denying faith and tradition um, with her family and, and with Wakanda and then earning the mantle in more ways than one by the end of it. That works, I think, for the most part. Um, and I think to what Kofi said in, in our preview, uh, by the end of it, they do really get there. You go through those stages, you see the changes, um, and the emotions carry through. And then when you get to that, um, and of course the bookend, like I saw the intro online, the Marvel Studios intro with Chadwick, and like, you know, it's, it's touching the first moment you see it, it's touching without even sound. And then by the end of it, when you get to that mid credit scene, you've experienced that, you've seen them evolve from that. Uh, you've seen the Wakanda Forever theme pick through. And then the very end, uh, somehow Coogler or Marvel Studios, whoever did this, cast the like cutest child planet Earth has ever seen, <laughs> who's got the greatest smile the world has ever seen. Yeah. And you put a kid like that in a sequence with Letitia Wright and the Lupita Nyong'o, and you can smile with them. Uh, yeah. It actually is a happy and awesome moment. And to me, that was not spoiled for me. I did not expect that at all. I didn't know oh, that, yeah. but that kid explaining who he is and then explaining his real name. And I was like, man, yeah, uh, I really love that. And it's like, it's weird because you, 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 that roller coaster of emotions, I actually felt that. And I think the whole, I could tell like viscerally, and this is what we talk about this all the time. This is what going, this is what that community theater, theatrical in-person experience really is. And it's rare to get that from a Marvel or any superhero film for that matter. Like, uh, and obviously, this is such a unique, tragic thing dealing with the loss of Chadwick Boseman in this way. But um, they, they handled that really well, and it's those feelings I felt that the, I think everyone's feeling. You can see it online. You see it in the theater. I'm curious when I go see it again how, how like uh, second viewing will make me feel now that I, I know what to expect. But um, yeah. I think that is such an accomplishment of its own because you know they had a script. Kugler talks about this all the time. They had a script. He wrote lines for Chadwick to say, and then they had to rework it. And live with that and make it work and honor him and, and all that challenges, all the inter every emotional scene, you're doing it with a second layer of reality. And, and they pull through on that. So so like I love that. And I think you can't knock the film for that kind of stuff. I think it deserves a lot of accolades for that. However, um, from a plot perspective, when you look at it as like a Marvel Studios thing, there's yeah, there's some goofy shit. And I think you guys called out the third act. Um, you know, I <laughs> I think that that weird whole action set piece on top of a giant kind of blank looking slob, which is supposed to be like a Wakandan warship or sea vessel or something. It's the, yeah. that the whole thing was not very exciting or visually interesting or cool. And it just looked like, uh, these, uh, what do we call them? They're not Atlant Atlanteans, of course, but the name is people, the people of Talokan, like they kind of like Talokanan. That's yeah. it. <laughs> or whatever Navi. it is. They, Navi. They just, That's what I thought. <laughs> Navi. Oh my God. Yeah. Pandora reference. Yeah. They no, the Navi appeared never been as badass, please. That's a fair, 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 yeah, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, fucking would own these. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's it's got true. that healing factor too. They're too busy um, yeah. working their goddamn relationships for James Cameron. They'd be getting speared <laughs> in the face. <laughs> uh, it. It mean that the whole sequence is very strange. It, it looks like they kill a lot of Wakandans, like a lot in the water and on top. And that moment, I'm kind of jump around with spoilers here a little bit. But like when when Namor and Shuri return on that 
on the flying vessel. I don't know where that came from, by the way. I thought that ship was destroyed. But anyways, they fly in and, and Namor tells his people, it's time to go home. We're done here. And then Shuri does, what kind just yells out, Wakanda forever. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like everyone's dead. Like there's like 10 people left on the ship and they're surrounded by spears. And you're and it was just felt like a weird moment. But like beyond that, the other big thing you guys talked about, I asked you guys about was the Ironheart connection. And that um I'm of two minds on this. One, that was very smart use of Ruby Williams to be like behind the plot device of how they search for um vibranium and the vibranium's role in the MCU. That was kind of smart. However, the use of Riri, the character, I thought was a huge misfire. I think maybe the combination of they went too fast with the goofy costumes of, of her character, and but they reset it enough to have her own show on Disney Plus next year. Um, but in every sequence she's in, they they write her as if she's like a YouTube or TikTok react star. She just reacts to everything over the top. Like she doesn't give any any chance um, for a person who deserved, who had a lot of screen time, but maybe could have used more. Like I, I kind of wish they wrote a little more beyond just her referencing her dad and, and like making a note to that car and stuff like that. I kind of wish we got more personality out of her outside of just like, Oh my God, this is, this shit is crazy. And every single sequence she's in, because I don't think it's that crazy. She's a super genius. She, she was the like Spider-Man. She was yeah, the Spider-Man of this. Too much. Every, um, everybody. We always need a Spider-Man now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very excited. A character like that, who was, I think misused, uh, does get, you know, six, eight hours, however many episodes Ironheart is to actually like, have some quiet scenes, let her talk and be around family and friends. Like that's, she deserves that because uh, tremendous talent, cool character, awesome plot use. But like, I think they went, they went well, crazy with the, with the dialogue just, and suits. Just to put things in perspective, how do you, how would you rate her misuse over the misuse of somebody like America Chavez? That's another good yeah, one too. That's true. Chavez. I, I think that's a good point. I think Chavez's role in Multiverse of Madness, it's just less interesting because I don't think her... They're both MacGuffins, technically. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Sure. I, I do think uh, Riri's involvement in the in the plot works a lot better. It makes more sense. And I think her, her MacGuffin is essential. I don't think America Chavez's multiverse star portals is essential. They could have written any wild way around that. And also, they barely traveled the multiverse in that film, so it's a misuse anyways. But, like, another another example of... Um, I forget her name. How do you pronounce her name? Is it Zocho? Zochi? Whatever. She's... um. Another great talent who deserves more screen time somewhere. But as far as we know, Chavez does not have her own show, unfortunately. But um, but Ironheart does. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see on that. But, yeah, so the, the, the Marvel bits of it, uh, you know, don't work that well. And same thing for, like, the, you know, the the Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Martin Freeman stuff. Like, Martin Freeman's cool. It's nice to have him back as a nod to the first movie and his connection to bridge the gap between American government and the whatever and, and then the Wakandan people. Um that's neat, but the Julia Louis Dreyfus character, I forget her name, Val or whatever. She's yeah, Val. awful. Just awful for me. I feel like she's an ABC the weakest of ABC TV show characters, and that just doesn't fit this this movie or this MCU. I've never been impressed with her scenes. And it makes me really worried about Thunderbolts, to be honest. So um but on the high side, holy shit, uh what you guys said was I'm happy what you guys said was true about like seeing Namor and Talokan, that was really well done. Very cool, like unique effects too for all the water stuff we're seeing. And we joke about Avatar too, and, and Aquaman two is coming up. But like this actually looked and felt different. It felt like a cool, like in its own weird way, a real lived-in underworld place. That was neat, and those people are awesome, and, and they were depicted really well. I loved how they, you know, they stray quite a bit from your standard Marvel comics origin, but they do such a tremendous job making that work, and then also fitting into the Black Panther world. So that was really really neat. So um, yeah. I was happy with the film overall. You know, the Marvel shit kind of brings it down, but. 
for Marvel Phase Four, which is otherwise very lackluster, you know, this is up there. And you know, Shang Chi and this one kind of delivered enough for now. Um, and this one had the bigger challenge, of course. And so, uh, a job well done. I highly recommend. It's a must see in theaters easily for me. So, yeah, yeah, I think that. Uh, I think we all sort of. It sounds like kind of had a similar feeling about it. the thing. The comparison to American Chavez is actually kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about that with in terms of Riri Williams because, I I definitely if I had to answer that question. I would say I, I agree. I actually think Riri Williams Williams was handled better in this film. At least we kind of got to know a bit more about her. And, you know, she played like her. It wasn't like they were trying to make her the most powerful person in the film or something, which is kind of what happens at the end of Doctor Strange, right? It's sort of like it's up to her to save the day, whereas it's not really here. Like we're going to get plenty of time to see Riri Williams do awesome stuff in her own show. But um, I, it is kind of it is sort of weird how many new characters they're trying to juggle while also dealing with this like weighty, heavy thing that, that they're all, uh, you know, the movie basically centers around, but I'm curious, like, and maybe you guys can tell me, cause you know, I was out of the game a little bit when, when this stuff was sort of happening, but how similar was that original script to what we have now? Obviously outside of the fact that, you know, I mean, like it know, was, Chadwick yeah, could be yeah, yeah, stuff, I mean, but, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I mean, that goes without saying, it wouldn't be a question then, but yeah, yeah. like it, it was this with two kings, right? So, so, it, so. And, and it was kind of gonna be like same premise, same kind of thing, except you know, Namor coming at T'Challa. And it being kind of like a philosophy, and this kind of leads into my my takeaway over the because I did a lot of thinking about this movie over the last week, a lot of reading and seeing the reactions and thinking, and I think it was going to be this interesting, almost ironic tale about, and I still think Ryan Coogler for the most part pulls it off, but of course, it, the nature of it has changed. For into a much more of a serious right. thing than it was going to be, but um, it, it's like about preservation of culture, right? It's this, it's this argument about did Wakanda do the right thing by opening themselves in the world and sharing their culture with the world and trying to help like other yeah. people with their culture, or did they open themselves to just cultural theft and assault and like all that stuff? Um, and I think yeah. it had been like a much more heated debate between Namor and T'Challa if it had been, you know, if it had been kind of that. I think this film got, I think Coogler, because like I said, I think, and I can't remember if I said it here or where I said it on the excellent comic book nation, um, that Coogler always includes very deep black cultural things in all of his movies even though he tells genre stories and, and has you know done so successfully, if you go back and really look at Creed, for instance, the beginning of Creed is Adonis Creed being locked up in this juvenile jail with other little black kids, and it's all about his mom coming to get him out of jail and when he was just a little kid and, and telling right. him, like, you have this father and you can – have this different life and like, let's get you the hell out of here or his family finding him. Black Panther includes that whole bit about Sterling K Brown's character 
being raised in the projects of California and Killmonger growing up there in his whole plight. They didn't get, they couldn't go too deep with it because it's a fucking Disney Marvel movie. But if, right. you know, the whole real thing about like, you know, people, our people are dying outside of this place while you guys are living in this paradise is a very deep thing. I mean, that whole monologue at the end between him and T'Challa is a very deep thing. It's a very deep cultural thing about who you want to be as an African American and, and black person in the world is like when he says the whole thing about, you know, bury me like with the ones who wouldn't go on the slave ships and like jumped overboard is like, yeah. uh, it's like this whole deep thing. And so I think this movie, again, it deals. I think this movie is a very subversive kind of, like I said, it would have been about, you know, now that Black Panther had become this cultural phenomenon, the second film would have done about what happens when your culture is now a mainstream thing. And do you need to like hold on to that? Or do you need to and resent those coming forward? Or do you need to open yourself to that? And I think it would have dealt with that. But as right. it was, as it stands, that's all to say, I think what it became and what the film that I've kind of been thinking about the last week is a film that at once is about kind of having to in this weird kind of way, take something like your cultural grief and trauma and have it sold as a commodity by Disney. But also how do you hold on to, how do you struggle with, you know, holding on to the kind of the purity and the authenticity of what you were doing, you know, after this loss while these people really want you to deliver this big product and how do you do that and still do it in a way that you can, you know, look yourself in the mirror and feel good about and, and say you represent it for this person and for your culture and all of that. And I think that's what this movie is really about at the heart of it. And I think that's why you feel this disjointed stuff. Like I look at that third set piece and I don't think Ryan Coogler cares that much. Like, I don't yeah. think he cares about the big silly fight or like Rob, like you just yeah, said, yeah. like the whole huge problem of like, how do they get a plane? Right? Like I forget if somebody came <laughs> to pick them up, did like Nakia come and pick them up or something like that? I forget if that's a detail. I don't recall like, them showing that. I just saw the yeah. thing flying <laughs> anyway. But like, but like the, the the absurdity of how stupid that like last set piece is, it, 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 I don't think like Ryan Coogler really cared, right? Like I don't think he cared about that part. Like you can tell the parts that he cared about that you can tell. Yeah. Like I don't even think they had a budget left. I think they were like, I literally would not be surprised if later on he was like, you know what? They said I had to make the third set piece and I just took whatever money was left and we had like a hexagon green screen and I was like good yeah, enough. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck <laughs> it. Let the like let the let the animators worry about it. Like, I'm just gonna film this shit. Yeah. And like you're right. I mean, he definitely like sets up all the I mean the the care that he takes in setting up the like, you know, namers culture and like those people and seeing the people under the water and like the kids that are there and like and the you know him burying his mother and seeing you know the conquistadors and stuff like that stuff is the stuff you know kind of like interests him it's setting up the mythos and dealing well, with the human emotion of all this stuff well i mean all the bookend shots like 
the that last shot of like just Shuri on the beach is so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like and just quiet yeah, yeah. and like all the close-ups that are in this. Angela Bassett's entire arc in this movie. That's yeah. all about like, you know, there's a lot, there's a very kind of subtextual thing about, you know, the how black women or women of color in general have to kind of carry on through trauma and, and help push things forward through often traumatic experiences and things like that. That was in Namer's mom and the flower and like all of that theme is in here and like all the close ups of Angela Bassett in, you know, which is monumental for her. Like people, I don't know if people outside of the culture understand, but like her outside of a wig and like wearing natural hair and like all of that stuff, like is yeah. a big deal. Like all of that was very, you know, filmed the, the Killmonger sequence in the burning hall. Like all of that stuff is so yeah, yeah. beautifully shot. The effects are, are like complete. Even some of the action sequences, just like, the bridge fight's amazing, like that whole sequence, like with Okoye versus fucking Atuma and like that whole yep. bridge sequence when Shuri gets nabbed, like all of that shit is amazing. Like, and you're like, okay, well, clearly they cared about this stuff. And like at the end, <laughs> so they were just like, whatever, yeah. man, like, or they ran out of budget or both a combination or they were tired. But like, yeah, there's no imagination in that third act. They were just like, we got to go big. So they did some Hitchcock shit and they were just like, the spears are getting closer. And meanwhile, like Namor and Shuri are having what is arguably a really good fight on the beach. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. they beat the living shit out of each other. Like <laughs> he stabs her like through the midsection and shit. Ooh, that, that yeah. was shocking. I was surprised. She rips, yeah. that. she rips a wing off his foot. Like I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a good sequence. Like just that whole thing. But like, yeah, you had all these other characters and they had to look dangerous. And it's just like, yeah. They were, but, um, to, but, like, Kofi, yeah. down to what you're saying. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but that's what you're saying. I think no, it's it, it's anything that's a more intimate scene, obviously, but like intimate action you talked about, but also in, in everything with Ramonda, obviously, which is, you know, everyone's already talking about Oscar buzz for Angela Bassett and, and probably should happen. Um, but look at a, a Koye as well. Like you, you have her going from like the very confident making jokes in fights or making jokes when they're trying to, you know, not capture, but get Ruby Williams. And then you fast forward to when she's being stripped of her title in the council chamber chambers by Ramonda. And she's like losing everything and breaking down, even to the point where the elders are saying, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. She turned a spear on her husband for you. Are you, are you really stripping? She's given everything to this. And yeah. it's like such a powerful scene, but a lighter version of that is Mbaku. Who's always like, you never know. You can really trust them. You can always trust him to be for Wakanda, but he's always got his own thing. And, uh, but then he has a moment of like heart to heart with Shuri. And saying, look, I promise your brother this. You know what I mean? And it's like they do that for every character. All the characters I asked you guys about who are, you know, quote, unquote, supporting characters. Nakia, too. Like they give them all neat little twists and turns and give them all a moment. The only exception, of course, not to bring in complaints, is like the ridiculous Midnight Angel costumes. They give a Koye and uh, the Predator <laughs> suits. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That shit. It, it, it's like Oprah giving out super suits to everyone in the third <laughs> act. It is like absurd. I mean, they're really trying to push those Hasbro toys, I guess. But oh yeah, um, that they're setting up that spinoff with Ross. So like yeah. that Wakanda spinoff. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, what it is. That Wakanda series spinoff, baby. So you're gonna have the Midnight Angels, and it's gonna be like espionage and stuff. But I mean, 
you know, I'm here for it because they got to take on super powered stuff with the suits, but they're not going to use the most of the budget on that. You know, they're only going to break yeah. out the super suits at the beginning. And because when we don't need them like that scene, we're in like, they're like, that's what I'm saying. Like there's so much of this movie when the more I think about it, like there is so much of it that is directed so well. And then you see that silly ass third act and you're like, okay, yeah. I, I think they're going on because the sequence at the UN at the same split sequence with oh. the, Door yeah. Melage, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That, and then bringing them, and then the kind of twist that you that it's like not the same time period, and they bring them in with them, yeah. and they're just like make them kneel, and you're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah. When that like door opens, that. you see a Koye. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, and like all of that stuff with like the bridge, like I said, the bridge fight, the sequence. All of this, like just the fight choreography, just like the direction, the the cinematography. When you first that traveling to Talocon, like that first sequence, like all of that shit looks amazing. And even Namor in like when in the kind of invasion of Wakanda sequence, when he's a really fucking shit up, that stuff looked great. Like, yeah, yeah. the sequence of him fighting, uh, like off the the oil or not it's not an oil rig but the drill rig like where he's just in shadow and he grabs that helicopter and throws it i mean he pulls that move a couple times where he grabs helicopters and throws them but but it's almost something out of a like out of a Zack snyder film the way that that scene is shot you know it's like he and we drew other comparisons with man of steel with the shuri stuff last time but like that shot of him where he's in silhouette with the moonlight basically blocking out his face and he's just floating there. And he, it's this kind of horrific, you know, superhuman oh, that you don't really know where he's. I, I mean, we do because we know the comics. But, you know, if you're kind of if you're going into it, even knowing the comics, it's sort of like, what is the version of this character we're going to get? Because he that's an intense dude. That scene. whole sequence is more intense than a Winter Soldier's boat sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just oh, yeah. like. Because, yeah, that beginning when they that whole thing with the mermaid stuff like that shit is a thing. Yeah. The side like the sirens or whatever. Yeah. 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 That was weird. And then like how they just like snuck on the boat and like fucking total apocalypto style and just really take (laughs) people out. And Lake Bell's ass was trying to get out of there. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Like, yeah. Is that singing? Was that good? No, no, you go. No, 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 no. I was just gonna. I was gonna talk about the mermaid. Like the is that from the comics? Like that they kind of take the idea of like shipwreck because like you know that's like Greek mythology. Like you know like pirate era. You know you have the the singing sirens. No, They're gonna make I you like crash upon the rocks and shit. Like that's yeah, kind of how I, I took it. But I wondered that too, and I'm not sure. But here is a fun Easter egg: the song that they're singing is just the backwards version of that kind of Icelandic song, the Aquaman people sing in Zack Snyder's Justice <laughs> is that, I mean, you're fucking with us, right? Yeah. yeah it's okay. Not, I was going to say, <laughs> for a second, I was like, that. and that's not, yeah, a short, please. I could see, I saw that on, yeah, I saw that on comic book. No, I, for a second though, I mean, I thought like, you know, who fuck knows? It could be, um, yeah, no, I I dug it though. I thought like I thought that that sequence where they're just singing, I don't know. I mean, we're we're talking a lot about this sequence, but that sequence is just so good. And and you're right, it's even better than than the Winter Soldier opening, I think, in a lot of ways. But it it like I just love how dark it was, how creepy it was. It was something out of almost like a horror movie where you know the ship is being invaded, and then when it's capped off with 
this sort of singing siren and these people are just jumping into the ocean and then namers up there throwing a helicopter. I just thought all that was sick, like genuinely. And also shows you like how effective Marvel characters can be when there's sort of a restraint or some kind of artistic eye thrown on top of them instead of, you know, just get this green screen up and have these people, you know, do their shooty shooty stuff or something. I think that was, that showed a lot of what, I think sometimes these films are missing a little bit depending on the director, depending on the characters or depending on the availability of, of, you know, post-production artists and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know that that's, that's why the film is like such a contradiction. I think in some ways is some of that stuff was next level. Some of the best stuff in the MCU, I think. And then other stuff was just, I mean, that like that fight on the freighter or whatever is just the Wakandan ship is I honestly I wish they would have just like had Namer like grab Shuri and like fly her out of Wakanda and they could have had their fight in the beach or something. And then, you know, everybody else is somewhere else and we don't even really see all that much of it. I think I would have enjoyed the final act more. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of great stuff in it, but I think you're dead on Kofi about like where Kugler's energy was and and what he actually cared about for sure. Yeah. And we talk about Namor a lot, but I want to like also focus on this, like the, the personal element of him. You mentioned like him as a child and the conquistadors and then yeah. seeing slavery and like him learning to hate the people of the land. Um, I love every scene he talks when he comes up from the water and meets uh, yeah, for the first time, yeah. and they just leaves the rig there without even seeing that happen. But him also, of course, showing Shuri the world and talking to her. But like him, just every time he's in his chambers and he's wearing his normal garb and he's doing his like his own, you know, Mesoamerican art, telling his own stories and of the past. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. I, I love that Cougar was able to do that and fit that in as like a plot B to the four other plots going on in this film. So um, yeah, what a what a cool and I don't want to see. Maybe it is risky. You, think, you see Namor on paper, and you think that's goofy. But twenty-four movies in, it's not. But the risk is like how different they made him, but also how effective yeah. it was. And like I'm, you know, I think everyone is excited to see. Man, well, you got to bring him back and give him more, give him more screen time, not just in team ups or world shattering events. But like I kind of want to see him just in his land or not his land, his underwater world. Um, that's such a cool thing, and to see him like, yeah, that was very special. And oh, also him with the head. The head mask when he's in his yeah. throne talking to the people like so, that's such a cool visual like oh man yeah i love that when when he gives that speech though that was almost like black adam that kid in the uh in the market talking though i could i like i don't think they nailed of all the underwater stuff they did with him water sound effect they tried to do yeah I didn't, I didn't, it felt like they were trying to make it like, okay, he's talking underwater or he's communicating in some different way to these people. But it just, it just seemed weird. It kind of reminded me if you were like a Chuck E. Cheese or something, you know, it's like the characters (laughs) up there talking, like the characters up there talking and there's like an audio track, but it's not synced. And it's like, you can tell it's not coming from that thing. That's, that was weird. I thought, um, I thought they tried to mimic a microphone effect underwater. Which yeah, was, it sounded like that. Yeah, I think which, that's what which, they were going for. Yeah, yeah, which is always yeah. I, I get it from like a logistical thing, but I feel like that's one of those things where you overthunk, you over like thought it for the yeah. movie because we're yeah. not going to get that deep on the scene, and you didn't need to. Like, 
the guy and what you did was create something that logistically makes sense, but visually doesn't work. Like you said, we're watching exactly. a movie. And so we're seeing his voice, not or his mouth, not sync up to like where his voice is traveling. Yeah. Trying to convey exactly. like, Oh, like, no, he's projecting his voice through the water or whatever the fuck. And it's like, yeah, yeah you, you just overthought that. Yeah. Probably, his yeah, $5,000 overthinking that just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that. I really liked his kind of core assassin group from the bridge and the dynamics they set up there with kind of, you know, Okoye and the, the big dude. I forget what his name is. Atuma uh, and Nomura. And Nomura. Yeah. Yeah, Atuma exactly. I be with Nomorita, I think. I think there's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's more. There's more. Yeah, there's some ridiculous Targaryen shit going on here. Right oh. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really dug, I really dug them. I liked the kind of dynamics they set up there. I also thought the like breathers, the above ground breathers, were cool, and I liked the fact they turned blue, even though I was making fun of that earlier. Just because, and the only reason I was making fun of it is it's like, you know, you have underwater people, and if they're fantasy underwater people and they're blue, in a you know, two months later, we're getting that again. That's kind of why I was like, man, it's sort of ballsy for them to have just like made these dudes blue. But I like the idea when you thought about like how their origin story came about in this version, you know, of the movie where they, they literally have to go into the water because they can't, you know, they can't breathe air anymore. So when they're above ground, like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that their skin would like have some kind of physiological effect in a, you know, in a fantastical way, I'm sure it doesn't actually make sense, but I kind of liked that distinction, um, as a way of kind of being like, yeah, these people are sort of otherworldly and out of their element. Um, whereas they're kind of normal looking when they're in the water, but, uh, yeah, I thought some of those were, yeah, 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 I guess that's true. How do you paint them blue if they're floating around in the water? But yeah, according to CBR, there's ten things you should know about Namorita. Oh, maybe there you go. Um, what else do you guys want to unpack here? We talked a little well, bit about Ironheart, about the vibranium elements. Now we know, like, it, it, a lot of Wakandan lore in the MCU is based on this, like, this meteor that fell and they kind of acquired all this technology and evolution because of this, and then of course the. Uh, Heart-shaped uh, her- herbs, herbs gives them powers, yeah. and now we're seeing another ver- disaster where they split up. Where there are other similar s- cosmic materials fell in the ocean, which uh, or around the world, various spots potentially, which is uh, potentially powering all question mark mutation or just some of it. Um, so I, I had a question about that actually, because you know you guys are always deeper, especially in X Men lore, I would say than than I am. Um, like there isn't. Are there a lot of examples in the comics of mainline mutants like Namor that are where their like X gene is activated by an external like substance like that? I know there are examples, but you know, and I know that in some cases mutants are like given extra abilities or things like that through, but this seems like a departure. Yeah. The whole thing with mutants is that it's a metaphor for like the, the messed up, process of puberty so it's always tied to kind of uh pubescent stuff and that's kind of the whole thing is every mutant story including namer is like oh at a certain point and his was like as a baby so it was earlier but like yeah it's like oh at a point i developed this thing that everybody looked at me like a freak after that and then i like overcame so 
it's never really like it's very rare. I think unless they retcon like Juggernaut at some point, I don't, which yeah. I don't know. Like he's like one of the only people that I think some external thing like active. He didn't have like activated some kind of powers in him, and I don't think if they, I don't remember if they ever made him a mutant for real. Yeah, I yeah. doubt that's an external thing. He could have been a mutant that that kind of powered him up. You talk about the Sitorak, whatever you call it, gem, yeah, the gem that, Sitorak. Because all that's gotten all too nuts. Because now there's that's like fifteen crazy. Sitorak, yeah, had it. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. And there's like a whole yeah. world of juggernauts and shit. Like I don't know. What that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there, there's like a whole world of juggernauts. What was that story? Like it was just, yeah, it's it's nuts. Anyway, so like, yeah, uh, but no, that's a change. But um, it, again, they're what they're doing is they're playing fast and loose with this, with Kamala, with Bruce Banner and Jen, and with Namor, which is yeah. they're they're saying like, yeah, there is this thing that activates it, but the only reason they're not like fucked up and dead is because they had this special right. thing about them. So that's why the Gamma thing didn't kill you know, the Banner family. That's why Kamala and her family in line is able to use this bangle. And, you know, obviously this is Namor was able to survive when his mom was pregnant, you know, had smallpox and then took that and then took that vibranium flower. Um, Yeah. And he can, and he has these different abilities than the people that he is, yeah. Related to, I mean, he can breathe above water and fly and has wings and shit. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, yeah. And it's interesting because I did write a whole thing about, you know, how this movie plays with the idea of vibranium. And it's like, what's kind of really cool is it opens the door first. They've, this movie establishes that there's vibranium in other places. So that's the first thing. It's not just Wakanda. Uh, like yeah. they said, it's all over there. It could be anywhere in the ocean because there's much of the earth is ocean. So there could be vibranium there to this. We got this in black Panther, but I don't think it was really like hammered home to us because the herb was kind of looked at as just this ritual thing that Killmonger burned and we didn't spend that much time with it, but it was this evidence right. of like vibranium being able to, do more than just be like hard metal, right? Or this crazy alloy for weapons and stuff. It's like, it can, it has this transmutive properties where it can get into like its radiation can get into soil. It can affect plant life of different kinds and stuff like that. And so like, like you said, it can maybe be explained for why the first mutations like started um, you know, if you really want to get complicated, you can do deviance and vibranium and something like that. But, um, you also started this new arms race, which is, you know, everybody's looking for this new weapon. And it seems like in general, the whole MCU has a general arms race going, which is people are looking for super soldier enhancements and gamma enhancements and vibranium. And, you know, they're, probably looking for the, all the Stark tech shit that's going to lead to armor wars. And so like, there's all that going on, but um, hopefully you could also be looking at somebody looking to make something, take vibranium and add it to make something even harder, which would of course be the only thing harder than vibranium and Marvel lore, which is adamantium, which right. could be a pretty big deal too. So 
Yeah, yeah, man, there's a lot going on, and you could use vibranium now. Basically, it's your great MacGuffin to explain why anybody developed any kind of weird shit that's not normal on Earth. Yeah, I'm curious how crazy – I always overthink these things, but like it's also obviously got – like it's a cosmic – alloy or whatever right it's not a normal metal it's not detected by metal detectors which is the whole part of the plot of this film um but also obviously it connects people to other realms or in this case in in the black panther movies like the ancestral plane right that's how they commune with their ancestors yeah uh you know which is very interesting so uh, not just transmutation just that too so it's 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 crazy what it can do then you look in the I'm very curious what this means and if it connects to what they want to do with more mutant stuff in the future. Because you've got some crazy stuff coming. Like, Namor straight up uses the word mutant. I'm a mutant, like straight up. You know what I mean? So, like, they're not shying away from it at all after name dropping it in various other projects like Miss Marvel and stuff. Um, which raises another question because, like, eventually when they do X Men, you're going to get like Apocalypse and Sabanur, whose origin dates back, I think, maybe Kofi can correct me, I think before Namor. If you're going back to old ancient Egypt, when he meets, guess who? Kang the Conqueror, who was a pharaoh back then. Uh, and he's supposed to be the first mutant, and he has a different color skin. So oh, does I mean, vibranium <laughs> tie into time travel and that? Like, or do they even explore any of that in the MCU? Who knows? But Oh, dude. Um, it's all gotten so crazy under this dawn yeah. of that stuff. Apocalypse, like, led – he saved the world, and nobody, like, knew he led a whole army of, like, thing. Like, oh, yeah, okay. and then led a whole army of ancient mutants or demons from the other side that, like, he lost half his army that became Araco and his wife and shit. Yeah, there's a lot of nuts stuff that's going on. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but the bottom line is, yeah, his origin goes way back now to being, like, yeah, yeah, in ancient Egypt. And, like you said, with Rama Tut, who is Kang, and, like, all of that. And there's hey, like retcons where He's Kang old. was That's trying it. to get rid of him and ended up causing new mutation to fucking spread. Like, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So there's still a lack of clarity on the how they're going to handle the X gene and mutation and, and whether they even use the word X Men or not. Um, uh, I think you don't even know when that phase that is. Phase seven, I guess, that begins. Who knows? I think every this is going to be kept for dummies, and I think it's basically anybody who has the fancy pantsy metal stuff, or anybody who has anything circular shaped, like a ring or a bangle, is going to be somehow immune to whatever uh, reality crashing calamity can causes, and they'll be the people who can fucking survive to the reality of secret wars. So it's going to be basically a little trail to get like Shang Chi and Shuri and fucking Miss Marvel, Miss yeah. Marvel, and like all of these people will reasonably either have the objects themselves or be around people who do. Who yeah. can like that'll be like our little life rafts to like who made it to Secret Wars. Interesting. Yeah. So I wonder if that ties into the Marvels because we obviously at the end of Miss Marvel we see like. I think it's the bangle that causes her to switch places with 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 uh, Carol Danvers. Is that is that right, or is that just her power set? Like, why does she switch spots with her? After I that? was so confused about. I, yeah, I'm not, still kind of confused. It's still, about I that. think it's still. I mean, it's unknown. We don't know okay. for sure. Like, but like, yeah, there is some kind of connection there between whatever energy the bangle is channeling and like whatever energy like Carol was all soaked in. I think. 
Yeah. Oh boy, they're playing fast and loose with these cosmic artifacts right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got, mean, yeah. I mean, but to their credit, they're only doing what the first Marvel creators did, which was at least we don't have like six different versions of a quantum band or some shit. Like, you know, yeah, this is true. true. Like, and yeah, some true. dude named Quasar, some dude named Captain Marvel, some dude named like, you know, no, like it, it all gets nuts. So <laughs> good luck to him. What a um, Michael or Michael Waldron. You'll have to figure a lot of this shit out. what else do you guys uh want to touch on here um Um, is there anything from the actual the actual film or should we start sliding in uh phase five talk well we're already doing it a little bit but let's let's talk about the credit scene a little bit you want to talk about that we haven't really talked about the the sun oh yeah no i wanted to uh do that and yeah i also wanted to touch on what rob said um i don't think julia louis dreyfus knows what the fuck this character is yet I think she's getting <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think she has any idea because she's funny as shit, but I think she's like literally going and just playing every one of these scenes. Like as she's just like the angry veep character. I'm just going to go in there. Like, I'm just going to go in there yeah. and do whatever the fuck because they can't show her any scripts. Like she has no idea where this is going. Like she just is going <laughs> in here and just like trying to piece together this shit. And she's only doing little like not not to use the wrong word for MCU stuff, but blip appearances. Like, yeah, and it's like oh man, yeah. They gotta let you never her see her there. perspective on anything. She, she just shows up in someone else's scene and tries to be like mean and funny, and it just it just doesn't work. So um, obviously Thunderbolts will address this, but like her as like a this bit player who's appearing in multiple projects, it doesn't it's not effective. It's not even as effective as Coulson was appearing in cameos back in phase one. You know what I mean? Which is weird. So, um, yeah, so far I, it's a misfire. So. I genuinely don't really understand even what they're, what they're trying to do here with her. Cause she's like, she's such a great actress too. I mean, we know she can do comedy. We know she can do drama. Like, and all she's kind of coming in and doing is, I don't know, some kind of mix of characters that we've seen her play before. It's like, she's, she's badass and she's kind of on top of it, but she's also, kind of hamming it up and you ever with Ross. And I think I said on the podcast last week, it's just weird. It's just like, they kind of like felt like they needed like white people or the American perspective in this movie. When like this movie would 100% be better off without them. I think, I don't think they add even when like, you know, Martin Freeman is having to talk about T'Challa dying. It just feels weird. Like he's talking to Shuri and Okoye about it and, Oh, I'm sorry to have hurt. You know, I was sorry. I couldn't have been at the funeral or what. And it, it's just like it feels, it feels so forced and strange because everything else is so. I mean, I think what Kugler is so great at in this film, we we've talked about it a lot, is just the authenticity of these cultures and the people that exist in these cultures and the way that these cultures have been impacted by imperialism and different things like that and and how they're protecting their borders. And then you have just kind of like dull Americans doing CIA stuff. And it, I mean, it fuels the iron heart thing at the beginning, but once that's over, what do you need these people for? Like, I don't, and now, now Val was married to Ross at some point. And yeah. like, that's like, that's like ABC shield shit. Season one. Like, why do these people need to be rela- like, why do these two need to be related? And how is that going to serve anything that's coming? Not just that. At the end, they have to rescue Freeman. So now he's going to be in Wakanda the same way Bucky was. It's like, <laughs> right, man, yeah. let it go. Like, the only thing we yeah. need outside of Wakanda and Talokan is the UN stuff. Like, the rest of it can just yeah, fuck totally. off. Yeah, totally. 
And of course, I the mean, exception being Riri, being Riri's arc, right? Being yeah. I got it. Stuff. I, I know why. I mean, I think they're because there's been so many different iterations of the Thunderbolts in Marvel Comics, but the one that I, they feel like they're clearly going for is the government kind of sponsored Black Ops team. They're just copying Suicide Squad, right? Yeah. And so she is, they have to pepper her in kind of Amanda Waller style so that like she can be responsible for kind of gathering all these various pieces together and doing the team. And I'm sure when they give her, like we get to the film, it's going to be great. And Val has a plan and a point. Totally. That'll be fun. And I think they needed her here because the geopolitics angle, I think there could be something very well that could have to do with, either vibranium because we talked to david harbour for violent night and you know he's talking about you know this movie is going to be a game changer to the point where it's gonna he used the words drop a bomb i don't think he meant literally but like it's gonna end phase five with a serious fucking up the status quo type deal right twist yeah so i think getting val kind of involved with the geopolitics of it all was the whole point that the master that they had to serve. But again, like you said, I don't think it's something that Kugler was particularly interested in. He just let them riff at it and have like <laughs> weird married couple conversation. Cause it doesn't fit shit with, with shit else in this movie. Yeah. And you're no, just like, it's- and it's just kind of out there, but like, yeah, I think it'll come up later in Thunderbolts. It- yeah. Of course, it's just so far they've been made such a very clear focus in her recruiting people, and in her this film she's not doing that at all. So it's such a weird departure. Like you think maybe she's trying to get Riri in the team, but she, Riri's not like coming from another supervillain film or team up. So it's just, it's just out of place entirely. And if what you're saying is true, then she's literally a for the government agent getting involved in geopolitics, and that is a, a weird turn compared to the brief scenes we've seen her in. So. Um, I don't know. I'm just not excited. Thunderbolts five years ago, I was like, man, they have to make this movie. But after seeing that concept art of who's in it, and they're taking like half the roster from like Black Widow, which is a movie I don't even like, it's just like it's hard to get excited. So, yeah. uh, especially if, is, even if they have Harrison Ford joining this thing as Ross. Um, so, yeah. So that's what I was going to say is like, it's, it's too bad. Like, this feels like had William Hurt still been around. Like William Hurt is the guy who like comes in here and does this Val shit in in this movie. Like someone that has like more gravity, someone that's like a little bit more curmudgeon-y and is more of kind of like a you know, I don't know, is tied into more of kind of the global politics of the whole thing. Like that's the kind of character that I think could have worked in that role, but like whatever they're doing with Val just like doesn't work for me. Um I agree that once we get to Thunderbolts, she will be incredibly fun and that'll be, that'll be great. But I don't think I need all this setup for that. You know, like I don't need to see her in this film. I need to see her in the Disney plus shows and you know, whatever else. Um, but yeah, we'll yeah. see. That film has a lot of work to do to be appealing. So yeah, um, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's got it's- every second class character in the entire MCU in it. So I cannot believe how many people are in that movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's talk about the ending a little bit with the uh, with the kid, T'Challa Junior. Um, yeah, the most adorable. You nailed it when you said the most adorable. He almost doesn't look like a real person. Like his smile, like that kid is just so adorable. It's like if AI 
you know, we've been, we've all seen these AI pictures and stuff, but it's Great like smile inducing child. If you, yeah. If you like fed a picture of Chadwick Boseman and then put like, you know, super cute son smiling, that's like the image. That's the person that, you know, the, the printer like prints out. I think he's, that kid is super cute. It, um, also like the, the scene's cool. Cause it, it, it made sense of Nakia's arc. Cause you're yeah, like, for you sure. to where like, the fuck is she? We're, been? we're pissed yeah. as well. I was like, why wouldn't, what do you mean? Like, this is, of course, you have to be there, but now they justify everything and pull it yeah. back to, 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 to Chala. So that was neat. But I, I do wonder now, like that's very intentional. Like, you know, like obviously given the, the money and the fame with the plane, there will be some version of a black Panther Threequel, right? So I'm curious yeah. like, how far they're thinking now. Like, eventually, does uh, Shuri take the throne? Like, for real? Like, we get to see that now. Given what I don't think, yeah. I don't think it matters as much. I think it was kind of going back to that metaphor. I think I wanted to wait till we got to this point to finish something about it, which was about you know how Kugler subversively like dealt with a trauma and a loss and and made a film about you know black grief but also did what he had to do to visibly make like a, a Marvel movie and deliver to like Disney and Marvel and all these people who were like pretending to patiently and res- quote unquote respectfully wait kind of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Chuck Schumer, you know, that meme of Chuck Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi and like the, in the African garb. Right. Where, right. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Like, and shit like, Yeah. <laughs> You know, doing you know Disney executives waiting outside with like the planning room with Wakanda doing Wakanda forever salutes and shit. But anyway, like <laughs> I, I think there is a point in this that that where this movie says is like it is a mess. Like we don't grief is a mess, especially through like Shuri's character. Like y- you don't get there. You have you lose your faith. You do all this stuff, but you kind of got to go through the mess and get to the other side. And I think the end point of it is kind of weirdly in line with like last Jedi. And I know that's going to make people spaz out that I just said that, but like the end of last Jedi had, you know, this scene with the kid with the broom, right. Which is like the, the the kid, anybody could be this. And I think that was Ryan Coogler's way of saying like, Hey, it may not be today. And you know, it may be later on, but like there will be another, like you said, this kid was like the greatest kid to pull this off this message. But like there will be another talent who comes along who makes us believe that they can step into the role yeah. and be and be T'Challa again, right? And I think yeah. that's kind of more metaphoric. And I don't think Ryan Coogler is going to be the person who has to deal with that. But I think for right. Disney Marvel, it's just going to be break the world with civil with uh, secret wars and then put it back together. And if we want to say that this older person is now Prince T'Challa. Yeah, yeah. Everybody will know what that means, one way or another. Like you know, it's nice and ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. it's a neat reversal on the comics, right? Where Shuri's like now the older mentor, as in, I guess in this case, an aunt, right? But yeah, um, I, I do want to talk about something we talked about earlier. I wanted to chime in when you were asking Ben about what the original plan for Wakanda Forever was, right? Right. And Kofi talked a bit about that, but. Um, we know obviously vibranium was a big part of it because it's like a, the MCU implications. Um, yeah. But what what Kugler said in a couple of interviews is that it still was about grief, but in a different way. It was about uh, a big part of it was going to be T'Challa dealing with the grief of loss of time. Because remember, and this movie doesn't touch on it at all, 
like the blip took him away for five years. And yeah, it was yeah. like when he came back, that loss of time, how did that affect everything? His family, the people, like the world. So that was going to be a big part of it. And of course, Neymar was always part of the plan. And Kugler said in a couple of interviews as well that he had numerous conversations with Chadwick about bringing in Namor finally. And Kugler had kind of reserved his character and it was an obvious fit. Um, and they were both very excited about that. So those main sort of structural MCU beats were always going to be there. And, you know, the, just the thematically it had to change, obviously. So, um, yeah, you know, the what if of it all would have been neat, but. Yeah. Um, well, Rob, luckily there is a what if where we can. Yeah, but that show fucking sucks, right, Kofi? <sighs> nah, I actually enjoy what if. I know, I know, I know. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> it's not know, the greatest. Like it's not the greatest, <laughs> but it's it's enjoyable. Like, it really is enjoyable for what it is. There are some cool bits. I'll give you that. Um, Do you guys want to talk a little bit about phase five? Like we, I feel like with, and then we can, we can wrap up. We don't have to spend a whole bunch of time on this since there's, you know, there's a lot to get through coming up um, with phase five kicking off with guardians of the galaxy's holiday special and everything, um, which Rob may or may not have seen at this point. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, but I, I think like we, you know, we've talked about it before and people are going to get mad if we like rehash this too much, I think. But like, I will say that I think, I think phase four kind of stuck the landing at the end for me. Like I've liked these last few movies uh, quite a bit. I obviously liked Thor more than, you know, the average person. I had someone tweeting at me the other day about how like I was an idiot for saying that it was the best Thor movie. (laughs) So so, I think if you actually Google my name right now and I don't, I was, I was only, I was making updates to my personal website the other day and um, I don't sit around Googling myself all the time, but I think one of the related searches at the bottom of the page is Ben Kendrick Thor. (laughs) So I must be on like a Reddit thread or something where people are like shitting on me for saying that it was the best Thor movie or something. Cause Google knows that apparently me and this uh, hot take are, are synonymous, but you know, like I, I liked that movie. I liked, I liked this one a lot. Um, you know, I, I still am hopeful that as we kind of looking at the titles of the movies that we have coming out in phase five, they don't seem like they're going to be overly like multiversal. Like some of them will, but not in the way that I think we got that kind of one, two punch of, of, uh, of no way home and then doctor strange and also maybe a little bit of loki kind of floating around in the background there too even though i loved loki but um yeah i'm kind of you know i don't know some of these movies look cool i i feel like part of the problem with phase four and i'm a little bit curious how they're gonna handle this like going into phase five is like these characters just like aren't as popular as the characters that made up a lot of the earlier phases you know like that the avengers the original avengers cast like a you know, most of those characters are the characters you think of in some ways when you think of Marvel with the exception of Spider-Man and the X-Men. Whereas, I mean, this batch is kind of like, I guess you had Spider-Man in there, but you had this kind of long delayed Black Widow movie that was came out after the character had an on-screen death and it was a prequel and it kind of set up her family to appear in other stuff, but it wasn't really you know, it's not like that character carried over. You got Shang-Chi, which is one of the better movies of the, of the phase, but you know, that's kind of a obscure character for most people. I would say that aren't reading the comics. You had a Spider-Man movie, you had Dr. Strange, but I would still argue Dr. Strange isn't from an MCU standpoint, like 
an A-list character. He's kind of like B plus probably. And then you had Thor and ended on Black Panther. And those feel like the characters that are more in line with the kind of movies that were like fueling phase one and two and three. So I'm a little bit curious, like as we go into, you know, phase five here where, I mean, you have Ant-Man, you guys are big Ant-Man fans. You have Guardians of the Galaxy, but then you have the Marvels. You have a Captain America that's a different Captain America. You have this, you know, Thunderbolts movie, which is, you know, like you guys have kind of described, it's it's sort of suicide squad-y with a bunch of these sort of B-list characters from other people's movies that are, they're fun characters, but they're not headliners on their own. And then you have, you know, theoretically Blade, if if that thing comes comes together, even though it's it's kind of been a bit of a mess lately. And, you know, you have the TV shows and stuff that are happening simultaneously. You got more Loki, you have Secret Invasion and Ironheart and stuff. But, but I don't know, it just feels kind of like these, like maybe part of what was really fueling Marvel originally was like their mainline characters and they are struggling a little bit to take some of these secondary characters and really make people give a shit about them the way that they give a shit about sort of those mainline characters. I don't know if they've successfully done that or not. I don't know if people care about some of these characters as much. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're good characters, but I think you're romanticizing and I think you're creating a fallacy in your mind, which is that like you, we were all there working together for phase one. None of these characters were like a list characters. Nobody yeah, was buying cool. Thor shit. Nobody gave a fuck about Thor. <laughs> like nobody could tell you a Donald Blake from a Thor like back then. <laughs> Iron Man was yeah. a miracle because I mean, you're using like and you're signing the wrong letters like uh, Iron Man was like a C-level character when MCU began. Hulk was a B-level character because he's had merchandise. Spider-Man was an A-level character. Captain America was like an A minus to B plus level character because of, again, merchandise and American association. Same thing with Punisher. Punisher had like all kinds of things. Daredevil has its own, his own kind of following again, Ghost Rider, all these things. Like when the MCU started, Ghost Rider was actually probably one of the best and most high profile (laughs) because of fucking Nick Cage. Like that's not a joke because of how many fans Nick Cage has. So like, yeah, I mean, phase one had an uphill battle and we, and dude, we made our whole career bread and butter over the fact that phase one had so many stumbles and director pickups and like things. So getting these characters popular and like finding the people who would do that, that's what the casting was all about. Like they had to find the Chris Evans and the Chris Hemsworths and those people who were going to be like, you're going to look silly as fuck in these suits <laughs> and these wigs. And these are not like the most popular characters in the world. They're not Batman and they're not Superman. Like, and you're going to have to like make them cool. So good luck. Yeah. Um, that's a fair, that's a fair point. And, I mean, and, guardians, yeah. like, guardians weren't popular either. Right. I mean, we oh, guardians, used to make fun of people. Oh, Dude, Before I was that on trailer, the set. Who knew the fuck who the fuck they were? Like, yeah, it was, yeah. it was embarrassing. No yeah. one knew what the fuck they were talking about on set. Like, yeah. no, oh my god, yeah, like, like we, Rob, like, and Rob says he was like the only person who knew the Guardians were. People thought Guardians was the like the craziest fucking shit when there was going to be a talking tree, and we were writing up all those things, <laughs> trying to even find artwork of the Guardians was a pain in the ass. We had to use and like yeah. alter the same five images. Because there was no yeah. artwork of the Guardians even out there, like yeah, no, yeah. stuff was always. They had uphill battles for all this, and remember the whole Ant Man debacle with Edgar Wright. That thing took like eighteen years to make. 
And yeah. like, so <laughs> like it was, it's been an uphill battle, but um, I don't think it's like, so I'm saying all that to say, I don't think it's the characters. I'm also like, I, I've been half asleep since like halfway through this thing, but like, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I, so some of these are dreams and some of these are thoughts and analysis, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that uh, it's the characters. I think that, and I'm going to, I have to get my head around this and like write about it, but like, phase four has just turned out to seriously be the PTSD phase. It's like the PTSD saga. And it's because I think on some level, and I, and this is why I think it's weirdly fitting that black Panther two is the end is black Panther two is a place where we're kind of consciously dealing with it. But I feel like all of phase four has just been a reflection of how fucking nuts we all went through post end game when a pandemic hit so many people died and like all this other fucked up shit happened in society and like, you know, villains rose and fucking war and, you know, just societal things that are making people go nuts. Like, and just the general attitude and mental health and all that stuff. And like, you know, from WandaVision on down, like it's just been like, and even the multiverse is just kind of like a weird be like projection to be like this timeline. I mean, we've been saying this, making the quote unquote joke, but like, how did we get in the darkest timeline? This timeline sucks. Yeah. We've been saying that more and more. And then like, you know, a multiverse saga is kind of like a weird fantasy of, Oh man, what if we could change lives? Like, wouldn't that be dope? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. And so like, I think it has been this weird, messy reflection of just cause Marvel's just been in like, I think we all just kind of in our naivete and juvenile naivete thought like, oh, Marvel Studios will protect us from the harshness of the world. Like, you know, and Feige, we trust like, oh, the world sucks right now, but Marvel will protect us. And it's like, no, like we're we're realizing now that like, no, like Kevin Feige has been thrown up in a toilet, too. Like he's been like freaking out as well, like just trying to get these films in the can. Like, how do you even get digital animators to keep animating on time? How do you keep these timelines going? Like they've had to reschedule a bunch of shit a million times. Like everything's been a fucking mess and they're dealing with more shit than ever. Like, and like, yeah, that mess is reflected in just about every project, no matter how much you may like it. You can look at every phase four project and be like, holy shit, this part's a mess. Like, (laughs) I mean, even the best of them. And so like, it's just all over the place and there's just no escaping it. Like, there was just no way to make fantasy movies, blockbuster movies like we knew them right now because the world made it impossible. And like, that's always going to be fucking captured in this shit face for shit. Just like, and I was thinking about it, the last time I felt like this, that I was like, this is just going to be suck. I mean, this was kind of lackluster and it's always going to be a reminder was fucking the 2009 writer strike. And like yeah. all those movies that fucking we wanted to see so bad from X Men Origins <laughs> on down, that Transformers like, Two, baby, yeah, that yeah. just turned out so shitty because and had so much promise because in TV too, if you see those seasons like short seasons and shit, like it's yeah, just a mess. It was like Lost was caught up in the middle of that yeah. shit, like, yeah, Thirty Rock, like there's so many shows that like. Yeah. And it was just such a fucking mess because of the writer's strike. And it was the last time we saw this. And the pandemic is going to be the same thing. And phase four is going to be suffer. So my only hope about phase four is I hope we worked this shit out. Like, I hope we've been all through the therapy. <laughs> like, and I hope like, just like the characters in the shows, I've hope in all the movies. I hope we've all been through the therapy 
because everybody's been dealing with shit from Shang Chi's daddy issues to Moon Knight just trying to get his whole fucking life together to poor Wanda still is, is in a deep, deep dark place, literally and figuratively to like everything. Like, yeah, I hope we work it out. And then phase five is the start of an actual story again and like yeah. an actual saga again. But I don't feel like I feel like we're coming out of this on a very bad note because I feel like phase five is going to be the saga where it's like, oh, no, the bad guys are winning. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's God. true. Yeah. So Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. It's like if we thought we were coming out of it, it's like the whole fucking phase five is just going to be like how we all got beat to shit <laughs> again. Like, um. And people you knew, people who you thought you knew they were, but they turned out to be like evil people in disguise and stuff and aliens and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be like, yeah, we came out of it. And now like while we were coming out of it and just trying to struggle to get out of it, some very bad people decided they're going to do some very bad things and like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, And I want to speak to your point to, to what you're saying. I think what you're saying is true, though post phase one you know what i mean so like while these characters when the mc was starting you know we can we don't have to rehash history of how marvel studios was this very independent ragtag group a small in, independent company that had independent financing and they had barely any characters because the actual valuable properties from the 90s which was fantastic four spider-man x-men were all elsewhere and already established right so but yeah. forget that part of it once the MCU started going and Iron Man teased the Avengers and then Thor and Cap came out and it was actually all happening. At that time, that sort of big budget superhero cinematic combination and building towards something larger was unprecedented. So that's that's when shit blew up. That's when our B's and C's became A-list characters in the Zeit pop, pop culture zeitgeist because it led to the first billion dollar movie and, and that you know they ran to the races after that, right? Yeah. But back then in phase one and going into phase two – it was a very different industry. This is pre-streaming pretty much, right? And then, but the, but the blueprint of what the MCU was going for was readable, right? You started having the Infinity Stones. And each movie, back when it was one a year and then two a year, was a special unique event. And the competition wasn't doing this back then. There wasn't multiple Spider-Man spinoffs building towards the Spider-Verse. There was no building towards the Justice League in this era, right? So uh, not yet, it became normalized after the fact, and now the entire industry is doing this. Like we're back in 2008, 2009, 2010, announcing a character and casting that character was a huge fucking deal, and it only yeah. happened once in a while. Now it is standard, must-have production pipeline. It is just another action film for Big Budget Studio. It is, in fact, the only action films you're probably putting in theaters worldwide, right? And everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. We have so many per year if you actually add up the Sony's, the Warner Brothers the Disney's and then you throw in what the streamers are doing on everything from Amazon to the boys even, right? It's just everywhere. Um, so it was very, very different. Um, and every, so when they do, there was a cameo of a character or a casting, you knew it was building towards something big. And back then we had our wish list. Oh my God, are they actually going to do Iron Fist and Black Panther and Dr. Strange. Cause Stanley keeps hinting that they had conversations about this, you know, and we wrote about this stuff back then. Uh, but now, we're getting four movies a year and six streaming shows, and that's just one franchise. You're getting that from th- times three now, right? And what it feels like now, especially right now, because like the for the Disney Plus of it all, keeping it to the MCU, it's so new, and it happened so fast. We went from like WandaVision to now we're having She-Hulk, Moon Knight, 
Ms. Marvel, it's Hawkeye and every character. We, it's like, we're not building towards a phase in an infinity gauntlet. The phase is happening so fast at such a larger scale. There's like four phases within one. It's not about the big villain, the big thing there. It's about the street level franchise, the cosmic franchise, the magical franchise, the multiverse franchise, the, what, you know what I mean? There's, and, and they're not always, they're not going to connect anymore. And what it feels like right now, because we're at the phase one of all those little phase ones, it feels like the unfortunate reality is like when you're looking at, especially Disney plus shows, it's a very like fire and forget formula from a consumer standpoint. Cause we see WandaVision tell the story and then visions is gone. Who knows? Is he coming back? I don't know. You know, Miss Marvel ties into Captain, Captain Marvel. But Moon Knight does tells a story and he's just gone. We met Kate Bishop and then that's it. I have no idea if Kate Bishop's coming back. We yeah. in the industry know, of course, at some point Kate Bishop's coming back in some project, but there's no plan. Like it doesn't, it's not, it's not an obvious fit that Kate Bishop will just be a key character in Secret Wars. There's no Avenger, you know what I mean? Like, we don't know. We don't know if she's going to be in Captain America 4. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas before, when you met Hawkeye, you're like, oh shit. Of course he's going to be in Avengers, right? And and then, you know what I mean? So it was just a bigger thing back then. And the first Doctor Strange and the first Ant-Man and the first Captain Marvel were bigger deals because you know they were in the next Avengers. And now we have like every character you can think of this year alone, She-Hulk, you know what I mean? Uh, even these like special presentations, um, you met a man thing or whatever. Like, it's just like you made a character and they're gone. And we don't, they don't necessarily have to come back. And if they do, it could be two years later. And if they do come back, it may be in a spinoff project. It's not going to be in the next big event or the big buildup. Um, and now, like, when you get casting, it's not necessarily about casting an unknown anymore. They're casting established stars for everything, it feels like. Um, even they're making a fucking Wonder Man show and they cast yeah, yeah, Abdul Medin, like who, who yeah. we just know from Aquaman 2's coming. It's crazy, right? Like big yeah. stars. And of course, there's rumors about Vision Quest, so that's coming back too. But there's just so much of it. And it's such a normal thing. Every actor is going to get one of these roles. They're doing so many shows a year. They're casting every character you can think of. They're making an Agatha spinoff. That's part of your Phase Five slate. We were talking about that, and it's like it just seems so absurd. So like, cast that's not going to matter. Yeah, cast is amazing. They brought in Aubrey. It's a big cast. Um, they're making it a big deal, which is neat. But when you think of Agatha, when you're thinking about Secret Wars, and it's like on paper, you're like, who the fuck cares? Now we care because One Division was awesome and. Catherine Hahn's amazing and this cast is amazing. So we're going to watch it, but it's, it, they're just making great shows now that's fit into the franchise as opposed to telling a chapter that must be there for the next Avengers. So yeah. for that reason, not everything, you know, the whole scale has shifted. So not everything was going to be a list no matter what. Um, but even like, look at Shang-Chi, everyone, everyone up until this weekend was like, Shang-Chi is the best part of phase four. It may be the only good part of phase four. Where the fuck is a Shang-Chi sequel? <laughs> like where's this character coming back? Of course he's going to be there for the Avengers films, but like you think back 10 years ago, Shang-Chi 2 and 3 would have dates. And that would be one of four characters getting a trilogy. Now there's 35 characters in pipelines for TV shows or movies. And not yeah. then they're just going to move into crossovers and or spinoffs like Echo is happening. Who would have thought Echo was going to get a show yeah. as part of the must-have Phase 5? That You know what I mean? It doesn't seem relevant to Secret Wars. But man, to you know us who like Kingpin and maybe Christian Ritter comes back. You know what I mean? There's some, some, it's exciting. But it's, it's, this, that's not the same thing as casting Captain America for the Avengers movie, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so for that reason, it's just become so normalized and run on the mill. Every Tuesday, there's going to be a major casting announcement for one of these franchises, you know? So, yeah, just the way it is now. Standard operating procedure. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because I am interested in, like, you know, the build-up to Secret War and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm excited for some of the shows that are coming out. 
you know, we're going to get more Loki. We're going to get more, um, dare, you know, daredevil and, and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, I'm excited for phase five, I think, but I, what's kind of a bummer is like, I was really actually excited for some of these things in phase four that ended up being like my least favorite things. Like, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness just seemed like that was going to be so fun. And then it just kind of ended up being everything that we didn't like about phase four, just in a movie where it was nothing really mattered. There wasn't, everything was just kind of about, you know, what kind of weird thing can we sort of throw at the, at the audience and okay, now we're going to throw in cameos from these characters that are different versions of characters we've seen along with fan casting of an actor that everybody wanted to see in a role and had been long rumored for it. It it just kind of, it felt like it was almost like a meta, you know, nod to all these fans, which I mean, in in some ways like should have been cool, but it just, it just kind of wasn't when I saw it, like it didn't feel cool. It felt like pandering or it felt like isn't that weird like, though think about what you're yeah. saying on paper go back a couple of years like what an industry shift for us to talk about this now on paper they made a multiverse film with dr strange and the scarlet witch and they introduced the illuminati and yeah. mcu witchers they brought in a real black bolt that's dude we would shit our pants back in 2010 yeah that was happening but yeah. now it's like, whatever it was okay forgettable and it's like <laughs> yeah. that is fucking that's how far we've come yeah. um great example of like the why to your a-list point or whatever it's just like that that's not good enough anymore you know what yeah. I mean? yeah well on that optimistic note anything, <laughs> anything else you guys got to say about this kofi are you still with us or you pulled a screen underground and you're you can imagine it looks good. I knew. Um, but this I knew is my last saying. time. I'm not gonna probably you're not gonna probably hear from me again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you excited for, Kofi? Give us something optimistic. Andor. More episodes. Yeah, oh my god, it's not that. <laughs> like, people are gonna start thinking that like you guys literally are like we are funded by Disney Plus for Andor with how much you god, guys love I it. wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um yeah, I'm I, I'm excited to see these next couple episodes. Um, I really, dude, that uh, the the I can't swim thing got spoiled for me by Screen Rant's own Kazdan Risk, which it was not his fault. To his credit, oh boy, he had posted an image that was like you know covered in in the spoiler text on uh on Twitter, and so he hit it. But I like for whatever reason, I like I don't know if I accidentally clicked on it or I clicked on it not thinking oh. it was going to be a big deal because I don't usually care all that much about spoilers. But that was kind of a bummer because the entire time I was watching that that scene, just being like, "Fuck, this guy's gonna—he's not gonna make it. This sucks." Yeah, but, I know that was such a great ending moment too. Yeah, I would have—I would have liked that. That's the kind of twist that I like. You know, it's like an emotional gut punch is, oh, okay, okay, is okay, the yo. best kind of twist. I'll, I'll tell you this: episode eleven drops in three hours. Kofi and I have seen it. Uh, for those people out there. You know, who have a, who are, how do I say this nicely? Whose IRL avatars have a low intelligence score and they're complaining about like the lack of star in this, in this war. There's a cool like Star Wars sequence in space in this one. Oh, awesome. It's kind of dope. Well, that shit's uh, off the hook. Yeah. Yeah, It's fucking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And you got to go back. I've started going back. You got to watch the end of every one of these episodes, except for episode three, which just like ends. Or episode two. Um, <laughs> there's an ending of episode 11 that is like 
it is fucking heartbreaking when you really stop and like I had to watch it twice to make sure because I saw it the first time. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I watched it again. And I was like, oh, man, that shit is deep. And there's like, uh, yeah, the ending of episode 11. By the time you hear this, I should be in the clear. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ending of episode 11 is deep when you take back and you look at the ending of that and then look at the ending of Rogue One and you'll be like, oh, shit, like that's fucked up. Like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that shit's real deep. Yeah. And so, like. Yeah, man, Andor is is great, and uh, yeah, we may know some things about some things about Andor, and yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't wait. Like, Andor is just all I'm going to mention. So, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, this silly ass Martin. phase five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in phase five, I hope for more Andor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were actually going to come through with something there, but uh, I'll give it to you. No, I talked to, to David Parber face to face. You can see my thing on. I, I don't know where they put it. I don't know where they put it, but they put it somewhere. So it's comicbook.com. Yeah, maybe it, somewhere, somewhere on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, he was talking about kind of like the level of action there's going to be in Thunderbolts in. Again, I know these these are like and we're talking D E F level characters here, but like I <laughs> yeah. I hope they do something deaf, you know? So I'll I'll put it all together like that. Bam, D E F level characters deaf. See what I did there? These might be the dreams now talking, but um yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that I, I just hope the Thunderbolts like honestly does do something more like a little bit better than suicide squad did because like I've pointed out, these are people with a combination of great combination of powers for as like a heist. You have like a strong man, like red guardian. You have somebody who can be kind of a kick-ass enforcer, like taskmaster. You have like an infiltrator, like ghost. you have any number of assassin or just espionage expert leaders, like black widow and, and uh, winter soldier. So I think, like, if you're using their powers and, like, their skill sets in combination the right way, it could be a pretty dope action sequence. So I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, f- for me, Ben, it's the cosmic stuff. Like, if Secret Invasion, like, I love that trailer because it's, like, so different than what you'd expect from reading, like, the Secret Invasion comics, like, which is this big, bombastic event. Like, this is more of, like, a quieter espionage thing which i love but i do think with you know i won't spoil it but they who we who we think certain characters are playing amelia clark in particular like in 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 what that means with the scrolls going forward it there's some cool cosmic setup they can lay the groundwork there and then you follow it up right away with guardians and the marvels and i hope finally like we're four phases in like i really want to see like a a true focus on the cosmic side of the mcu i still think they're falling behind on this um especially given like the eternals failed to address this i think as well um and i'm still waiting to see it like nova and like there's such a cool limitless playground up there to really tell cool game of thrones in space style stories and they could have used the inhumans for that and and i I really hope they get there so i hope with the alien factions we see in these three films that they're not just like one-off appearance for the background characters like we see in the thor films right i want to see like something real build up and things of relevance to the larger MCU. I'm not a fan of an MCU that involves every single thing being on earth and every MacGuffin being on earth. So um, the more they can explore that territory, the better in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Awesome. All right. Well, that wraps up our conversation about 
Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, as well as, you know, kind of wrapping up phase four, looking forward to phase five. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we have next week. There's nothing really opening. So maybe we'll catch up on some shows that we've all. And or finale. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fuck. You guys are. It's awesome. <laughs> I guess we yes, we'll probably be talking the Andor finale next week. Yeah. Um, that makes, Based that makes on sense. everything I've seen so far, I expect it to be awesome. There you go. Two we have two votes for it's gonna be awesome. So um all right, well that'll do it for this week's episode. I am Ben Kendrick. You can follow me at Ben Kendrick on Twitter, Mr. Rob Keys. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys, is K-E-Y-E-S, and I'm failcube on Instagram and Twitch. I hope, if I have time in the next week or two, to play Warzone 2. It comes out tomorrow. It's free to play. Everyone should try it. That's awesome. Oh, I've been good. playing a lot of God of War. Um, oh, yeah. Which I have oh. been thoroughly enjoying and playing too much of. Yeah. I might actually play a little bit of that tonight. Nice. Um, Mr. Kofi Outlaw. I am the dreaming Kof Celestial, and you can follow my work <laughs> at Comic Book and at the Comic Book Nation, which I am always mostly awake for. So you can follow me there <laughs> for uh, weekly coverage of all things geek culture. Um, there you go. So I've become a monster at Overwatch again, just because, just because I wanted to, and. I will, <laughs> I will really just demolish you. So I just want to let you know that. But uh, sounds Sweet. like everybody will be on Warzone too, and nobody will have to worry about Overwatch. So I'll be over there too. I'm going to go back to the <laughs> now. There yeah. you go. Night night, Kofi. Um, it's the holidays are coming up. So if you haven't reviewed the podcast, if you want to give Kofi, Rob, and I just the best holiday gift. Um, we can't be there to, you know, eat Thanksgiving with you or, or be there around the Christmas tree or whatever, you know, you celebrate just time off New Year's, whatever you celebrate around this time of year. But if you want to do something special for us, um, give us a rating review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, those, you know, we, we say it from time to time. Um, those really do help us spread word about the show. And maybe we'll do something special around the holidays since we'll probably take a little bit of time off um, to try and acknowledge for real some of you guys that have been, uh, you know, you guys have been like posting reviews and interacting with us and everything. We, uh, we appreciate it. So that will do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week, I guess, to talk about the Andor finale. So we'll look forward to that.